Fred is 32 years old, and he is still single. And one day a friend asked him, why aren't you married? Can't you find a woman, a good woman, who will make a wonderful wife? And Fred replied, actually, I found many women I wanted to marry. But when I would bring them home to my parents, my mother doesn't like them. And Fred's friend thinks for a moment and finally says, you know, I've got the perfect solution to your problem. Just find a girl who is just like your mother. Well, a few months later, you know, uh, Fred's friend, uh, they meet up and Fred's friend says to him, well, did you find the perfect girl? Did your mother like her? And with a frown on his face, Fred answers and he says, yes, I found the perfect girl. She was just like my mother and you were right. My mother just liked her very much. And Fred's friend replied, well, so what's the problem? And Fred replied, my father doesn't like her. Guys, you shouldn't be clapping at that, but <laughs> um, don't shoot me. My mother-in-law actually sent me that joke, all right? So it's her fault if you don't like the joke. Well, it is Mother's Day, and I just want to say happy Mother's Day to all you mothers. We certainly appreciate every single mother, right? None of us would be here. So, All right, on that note, this morning I do want to continue our series, Real Christianity, and I've entitled the message, this morning, dying to live, dying to live. Lord, uh, I do thank you for mothers, and may each and every one of them feel your blessing, Lord. Nothing greater, really, than to see the creation of a life. We're going to see that this morning. We're going to talk about life, but life in a different way. And so, I just ask, Holy Spirit, you are more than welcome here. I ask that you would manifest yourself. I know the message will not be easy this morning, but yet there will be nothing more life-giving than this message. So I do ask that you would give each one of us a soft heart right now, that you would give us an incredible attentiveness that we just normally do not have, that we would not be distracted, that we would allow your word to penetrate because it is a life-changing word. I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. And truly, I would not speak the words of a man, but they would be your words. They would be life-giving words. And so I'm just looking expectantly now what you're going to accomplish in these next several minutes. And I just praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to say up front that there's nothing more beautiful than a godly woman. And there's nothing more wonderful than a godly man. The Apostle Paul writes these stunning words in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. If anyone is in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, you are a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. What an incredible definition of being born again. Can't think of a better definition of being born again. Born again people are new creations. The old has gone and the new has come. And John chapter 3 and verse 3, if you've been here for the last several weeks, Jesus has an encounter in the evening with a Pharisee, a religious leader, Nicodemus. And Jesus says to this religious leader these stunning words, Nicodemus, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven unless you are born again, unless you have become a new creation. And this is nothing short of mind-blowing for Nicodemus. He's a Pharisee. 
He's a, re, you know, a religious leader. He is a member of the Sanhedrin. He's a child of Abraham. Are you kidding me? And yet Jesus says to Nicodemus, if you were to die right now, you would die in your sins, and you would not be in heaven. You would be separated from God for all eternity in hell. Do you realize that the old Frank Ray could never enter heaven? I had to become a new creation, and that happened so many years ago when the Spirit of God began working on me. I mean, he began to convict my heart. I thought I was a good person. My mother was a secular psychologist. She told me I was wonderful. What are you laughing at? I was wonderful, I thought. I really did. If Susan's in the back there, she'll tell you. There's no way I'm going to hell. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God began to work on me, and I began to see a darkness, a selfishness in my heart I had never seen before. In fact, truth be told, I was my own little God. And you know what? I made a lousy God. I made a lousy, lousy God. And I remember the day, I still can remember it well, that I just repented. I mean, I just repented of my sin. I just repented of my total selfishness. I repented of my narcissism. And I mean, I was broken. I don't cry. I remember just being broken and tears. And I said, God, if you can do something with this pathetic life, then please forgive me. And I'm yours. Whatever you want, I am yours. And in that moment, I passed from death to life. I became a new creation. I was born again. Now, the obvious question is, you know, how can a person know for certain that they're a new creation, that they're born again? I mean, so many people in America now are claiming to be born again who clearly are not born again. So for the next several weeks, what I want to talk about are marks of ways of knowing that you're born again. There's nothing worse than, you know, just living in a delusion and being fooled about that. So I want to talk about real marks, how you can know that you are born again. We're going to look at the first mark this morning. Mark number one is found in Romans chapter 12 and verse one. Skip puts it up. And, or you, your version might have, therefore, because of all the previous 11 chapters of Romans, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, give. It's not a suggestion. Imperative, give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Now, Jesus makes some interesting words. We'll certainly clarify that if we have difficulty with it, because he'll say in Luke chapter 9 and verses 23 and 24 this, if you want to be my follower, Skip, you can put those up. If you are truly born again, if you are a believer, I guess we don't have Luke 9, 23, 24, so I'm just giving it to you. Jesus says you must deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow me. Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake, you shall find it. Now, those are critical words because Jesus said, if you're truly born again, if you want to follow me, then you have to deny yourself. You know what that means? You have to stop being your own little God. No, that's hard to do. You have to give up control, and God isn't your co-pilot. Jesus is your pilot, and you're in the back seat. Right? And he says, if you can't figure that out, then let me help you. You need to take up your cross daily. 
Remember what that's a picture of? 2,000 years ago, the cross is a picture of death, but what they made the criminal do is carry the cross bar. Remember that? And they would trudge up to the place of execution with that crossbar on their shoulder. Why? Because they had previously been in rebellion to Rome. And Rome was letting them know they're no longer in rebellion. They're in full submission now. They're in full surrender. And Jesus says, until you quit being your own little God and you surrender to me, there's no way you can follow me. You're not my disciple. Because, see, you'll be seeking to save your own life, and you're going to lose it in the end. You know, there's no better picture of or illustration of that than John the Baptist. Skip, can you put up his picture? There's a wild man. You're a girl. How would you like to bring him home for, to your parents? That worked pretty well. <coughs> no, this guy is fascinating, absolutely fascinating to me, John the Baptist. Question, what was John's life about? Well, we see the answer in John chapter 1. Skip, can you put up those verses in John chapter 1? We're told this. This was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders sent priests and temple assistants from Jerusalem to ask John. You know, they wanted to figure out who he was. Who are you? He came out and he said, he right out and said, I'm not the Messiah. Well, then who are you? They ask again, are you Elijah? No, he replied. Are you the prophet we are expecting? No, again. Then who are you? We need an answer for those who sent us. What do you have to say about yourself? John replied in these words of the prophet Isaiah, I am a voice shouting in the wilderness, clear the way of the Lord for he is coming. Skip, can you put up the next one? Or is that it? That's it. You know what his... Sole purpose was, John's sole purpose was to glorify God. That's why he existed, to glorify God. His whole whole goal was to point people to Jesus. That's it. He was just, not to himself, notice, but he was pointing people to Jesus. What is your purpose? What is your life about? Should we have a different job description than John? I can't think of a better one. God forbid that I would point people to me or you would point people to yourself. What's that going to do? Sink them. We're here to point people to Jesus. You couldn't have a greater purpose in life than that. So what is John's secret? How in the world is he able to pull this off? We see it in John chapter 3. Skip, can you put it up? At this time, John the Baptist was baptizing at Aenean near Salim because there was plenty of water there and people kept coming to him for baptism. This was before John was thrown into prison. A debate broke out between John's disciples and a certain Jew over ceremonial cleansing. So John's disciples came to him and they said, Rabbi, the man you met on the other side of the Jordan River, the one you identified as the Messiah, is also baptizing people and everybody is going to him instead of coming to us. Oh me, oh my. John replied, no one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. We could, we could spend the hour on that. Did you see that? No one. You can't. No one can receive. You can't get anything of any value unless it's given to you or me from heaven. You yourselves know how plainly I told you. I am not the Messiah. I am only here to prepare the way for him. 
It is the bridegroom who marries the bride. And the best man, that's John, he is simply glad to stand and hear him take his vows. Therefore, I am filled with joy at his success. He must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. You know, (laughs) I'm in the pastoral industrial complex. God help me. This was disturbing to any pastor. Are you kidding me? Can you imagine, you know, you lead someone to Christ. You begin to disciple them. You begin to train them for the ministry. You even ordain them. And after you ordain them, they go down the street and they start their own church. And before you know it, almost all of your people are going to that person. How devastating would that be? I mean, this is what is happening to John the Baptist. And is John the Baptist, is he bitter? Is he angry? Is he upset? No, no. He says, hey, I'm happy. Oh, what a happy day. How, what, is he nuts? What is this guy smoking? I'll tell you what he's smoking. He says, Jesus must continue to increase and increase and increase in my life. And I got to decrease and decrease and decrease. Did you know that sanctification? There it is in a nutshell. Oh, I could talk a lot about that. That's, that's it. That's the Christian job description. Frank needs to decrease, 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 and Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, needs to increase, increase, increase. Now, we don't really talk about this in the American church, and that's why we're in trouble. But we're going to talk about it this morning. I've said it a million times. The Christian life is not difficult. It is impossible. It is a It's a supernatural life. It is a supernatural life. You see, if you are a true born again believer, if you, then you are a new creation and your life isn't about you. No, no, it's not about you. It's not about me. It is about him. Our whole problem that I'm seeing here, the vast majority of our personal, our inner, I could make marriage conferences, parenting real easy. It's not about you. about him and how to glorify him how much of our problems you know i am frustrated no kidding if you've been here any months i'm I'm frustrated because i see very little true christianity going on here in america so much of american christianity is just shot through with self And you're constantly being told if you go to a church how much you are loved, right? You know, how God cares for you. How he wants you to achieve your dream. How he wants you to have a wonderful marriage and wonderful kids and a wonderful family. And he wants you to have a wonderful professional life and blah, 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 blah. And it's just completely and totally about us. It's just all about us. I want to say and set the record straight, God does want you and you, and you, and you, and me to experience the abundant life. Absolutely, he wants us to experience abundant life. But the abundant life has nothing to do with your external circumstances. One of the great lies that is being given to the American church, it has nothing, zero, zilcho, to do with your external circumstances. It has everything to do with what's happening inside you and what's happening inside me. In fact, listen to what Jesus says to this woman in Samaria. You know, John chapter 4, 
Jesus walks into Samaria, which is unusual for a Jew. He comes to a well. It's high noon. The sun is blistering hot, and there's a woman there, and she's getting water. That's your first clue that something's wrong. Women went to get water early in the morning while it's cool. So this woman's out there at 12 noon. Ding, 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 something's wrong. And you know what's wrong? Jesus, because he's omniscient, says, you've had five husbands. Can you imagine that? This, this lady rolled through five men. Talk about a man-eater. Wow. Five men. And then he goes, the man you're living with won't even marry you. Now, that's a loser. And on top of that, she's ostracized by her entire village. So what does Jesus say to her? What does Jesus say to her that's going to make her life better? Look what he says, John chapter 4. Here's what he says to her. We would try to make her circumstances better. Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Isn't that incredible? I mean, Jesus, do you notice there's nothing about circumstances? He doesn't say he's going to fix her problems at all. Instead, he says, you know what? I'm going to give you something much greater. I can give you the Holy Spirit who will just be bubbling up. And he can burst within you and bring you eternal life. You know, and the abundant life, if you want to experience it, Jesus makes it clear, Paul makes it clear, that the only way that we can experience the abundant life, the only way that I can have the Holy Spirit exploding, releasing within me, Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control is to die. It's the only way you can. There's not a plan B or a plan C. No, this is not even talked about in the American. There is no way that you can experience this water, which is the Holy Spirit, just bursting and bubbling up within you unless you're dying. Do you understand that? It is simply not possible. In fact, the Apostle Paul says this in Galatians 2.20. He says it just like this. I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Jesus, the Holy Spirit, living through me. You know what we call that? It's called the exchanged life. You ever heard that? Anybody ever heard? the? So the exchanged life is this. You're dying, you're exchanging your life for his life, Jesus. So which one do you want? No, no, this this is the heart of Christianity, the exchange. Really, right now, which will you choose? I've been crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ living through me. See, you got to make a choice. Do you want to hold on to your life? It's a pathetic life, but go ahead. See, See, how's it doing for you right now? The exchange life is about me saying, I'm done. I am rock solid. I am done. And Jesus, I now want you to live through me. I want you to live completely and totally through me. Let me ask you this question. How many of you have ever been, all right, 
to a church in America where they just did a series. You know, usually they do series, like maybe four or five, six weeks. Have you ever been to a church that's done a four or five week series? Have you ever been to a Sunday school that, you know, maybe did a two-month series? Have you ever been to a small group that maybe did a six or two-month series? Have you ever read a book? Have you ever gone to a conference? Have you ever gone to a seminar? And the title of it was, How You Can Die. So you can live the abundant life. Anybody? Anybody? And I, I searched far and wide. No, no, put up, put up the hands. How many? One. I, I didn't mean it. they're passing it, you know, breezing through it. They're spending six, seven, eight weeks teaching you how to die. We got one. Is that it? One. <laughs> one. Woo. You know, it absolutely astounds me. It astounds me how in the America, this is the, no, this is the heart of sanctification. This is the heart of victory. This is the heart of having a dynamic marriage, being an awesome parent. And it astounds me in the American church. We simply do not have classes. We do not write books. We do not do, uh, you know, series. I mean, we do virtually nothing about teaching our people how to die. Nothing to teach our people. Do, do you realize you can sit there and read all these wonderful books? You can go to all these. You can listen, go to churches. You can listen to sermon after sermon after. They may give you some great information, but you know what the problem is? You can't do anything with the information because without the power of the Holy Spirit in you, you can't apply it to your life. Do you understand that? The law wasn't bad. The law, by the way, the law is great. The Old Testament law is awesome. What was the problem with it? It gave you no ability, power to do it. So everybody's hearing all this wonderful information in America. But without the Holy Spirit welling up within you, that's where the power comes to apply it. And that's not happening. That's exactly what's not happening here in America. Get put up the picture. Call to die. That's going to be a bestseller. You think? You think that's going to be a bestseller? You think people are just going to run out and say, "Woo, wow, I, I, I'd certainly love to have that book. Now let me show you what does sell. Okay, it's not on the bestsellers. Let, let me show you what does sell. Your best life now. Now that's selling. And you know what the problem is? The title's wrong. If you're a born-again Christian, you're a new creation, is your best life now? It's not. You live in a fallen world. In fact, Jesus said, if the world hates me, guess what? It's going to hate you. It's not going to be this awesome, wonderful life. If you, in any way, shape, or form, stand up for Jesus, they, you know, Peter and Paul make it clear. They say you're going to suffer. You're going to go to work, and you're going to be ostracized. You're going to be in your neighborhood, and they're going to go, weirdo. No, that's what's going to happen. My best life isn't now. See, the, the great news is this, though. The best is yet to come for me. Oh, yeah, the best is yet to come for me. New resurrected body. I mean, I know I look great, but can you imagine? Lost five pounds. 
All right, I lied, maybe one. Water weight, whatever. But new resurrected body, I mean, wow. Being in the presence of Jesus, I mean, the best is yet to come. See, that's the title. That's where my retirement is. That's where my excitement is. Here's my favorite Joel book. And I don't mean to pick on him, but he's just too easy. I mean, because he's just out there. Every day of Friday. No, no. Now, that is Peter Pan theology. I'm sorry. Can you imagine if this book came out 2,000 years ago to the the Roman Christians? Here they are. They're being fed to the lions. Free book every day of Friday. Get your every day of Friday book. Hey, Jack, I'm, I'm being fed to the lions here. How's it a Friday? It's not going to be a Friday. Every day isn't a Friday. See, that's our problem. See, we're, we're all messed up here. If you understand, you're going to go out, you're going to leave here, and you're going to go into a war zone. It's a war. There is real casualties out there. There's God, there's Satan, and it, there's real The bullets are real. People are dying. People are dying out there. But you know what? It's all going to be worth it. That's what Peter and Paul tell us. They say, you know what? Your suffering, your trials, your tribulation, it's just for a little while. And it's going to be all, all worth it. Let's get put up the picture again. Call to die. I, I happen to have a copy here. A call to die. <laughs> now, you guess what? You know what about it's true about this book? Can't get it. It's out of print. Nobody wants the book. Well, are you, I could have written this guy and go, I, you know what? I would have entitled it, honestly, A Call to Live. Now, that might have flown off the shelves, but, you know, no, this guy was being honest and he goes, A Call to Die. Who wants that? But that's what he called it. You know, you know who wrote the foreword of this book, though? Anybody know? Chris Tomlin. Oh, now see, now you know Chris. Woo-hoo. I like his music. <laughs> Listen what he says, though, in the foreword. I'm just going to read you just a little excerpt here. This book has quite an interesting title. No kidding. It's a simple invitation to all who would claim to follow the greatest revolutionary to walk this planet. It is an invitation from Jesus, the Son of God, to anyone who wants to find true life. He goes on to say this. This book is about the call to die daily at the foot of the cross. Years ago, I added a simple refrain to one of the great songs of our faith when I survey the wondrous cross. You may know the song by now, the title, The Wonderful Cross. The refrain we sing, Oh, The wonderful cross, oh, the wonderful cross, bids me to come and die that I may truly live. Isn't that something? Here is the invitation. What would it look like if our greatest desire in our hearts was not for ourselves? That you and I would give our lives away for the sake of the name and the fame of God and for his people. This is, of course, a daily one, and I know you will find this book a great help for you along the way. 
Isn't that something? Now see, this book is worth its weight in gold. But of course, it's not flying off the shelf. Well, I need to challenge us. I need to challenge us. And the challenge is this. You know, if we're honest, and I was thinking, wow, Pastor they're, Frank, they're going to hate you for preaching this on Mother's Day. But no, it, it really is good news. It, it really is. And, 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 and I really do kind of want to finish on a high note if I can, so I don't get totally tomatoed here. But, um, you know, I recognize, you know, it is not easy to die. It isn't. I mean, my flesh screams. I'll be the first to admit, it does not want to die. But here, listen to this now. God demands it. God demands it. God demands that we die. So you know what he's going to do? So often we're wondering, you know, why are things happening in my life? Why is my life going the way I want it to go? Here's why. Because, by the way, God loves us, okay? And, and, and he loves us so much, James chapter 1, he does this. Dear bro- so this comes from Pastor Wacko, Jesus' half-brother. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider an opportunity for joy. I've got that joy, 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 joy. So, so when you're going to walk out of here and it isn't going to go right, right? They're going to cut you off in the parking lot. I've got that joy, 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 joy down in my heart. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. You know what every mother's heart is? For her child to remain a baby. Right? No, you want your child to grow up. You want your child to mature. Guess what? God wants his children to mature. He wants us to grow up. And so, you know, he sends these trials and he sends these tribulations into our lives. Because, you see, if, if, if every day was easy, you're not going to grow if every day is a Friday. You're just not. Neither am I. We're going to grow as we're tried and we're tested. And guess what? We say, okay, I can't do this, Lord. And we turn and we press into him. And we overcome and we grow and we experience more of his faithfulness and more of his power. And it's awesome. And we, we get stronger. And God said, you know, I know that hurt, but wasn't it great? Look where you are now. And then he does it again, a little more. And look where you are now. I've been in a process of over 30 years of growing. And, and did I enjoy just being sometimes just devastated? No. But, you know, every time I can say this, I made the choice. Instead of becoming bitter, I made the choice to press in and say, Lord, I can't do this. I'm giving up. Because it's always about giving something up that I had made an idol. And say, no, I'm going to turn to you. And all of a sudden, I would experience just the releasing of the Holy Spirit in my life. And there's nothing like it when you're just moving in love and joy and peace, and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and gentleness, and faithfulness, and self-control. You know, I find it interesting as we close. You know, you take the early church, 
Everyone will tell you the early church is when the church grew the most, the first 300 years. You know what I find interesting? They did, do, you, do you realize that the New Testament was just being written? They didn't, they didn't have a Bible. They, they, they didn't have books. They didn't have seminars. You know, they didn't have all this information that we have. But yet they were powerful. What, what, what? No, think about it. They didn't have all the stuff we have. I, I want you to catch this part. And they were powerful. Now you have the American church. We have more inform- We have a thousand times more information than the early church, whether it be books, whether it be seminars, whatever. They didn't have concerts to go to either. No smoke machines, nothing. Yet, yet do you realize the American church, the attendance is going down? You can check it up. Barna's most recent study, we're now on any given Sunday. Back in the 70s and 80s, somewhere around 39 to 40% of Americans went to church on any given Sunday. Now it's down to 18 to 23%. Oh, you check it out. Millennials aren't even showing up, hardly. And we're lukewarm. The culture is just overwhelming us. Yet, this ragtag group of people in 300 years turns the Roman Empire upside down, impacts the culture so much. You know why? Because they realize it's not a knowledge thing. It's not an intellectual thing. It's a power thing. It's a Holy Spirit thing being released in me, being released in you. And see, that's what we're not understanding. And until you learn and practice and are, are challenged, and I am to die, we can't live. We just can't. We won't be victorious. Well, let me just end up with Romans 12. One, Skip, put it back up. Look what it says. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God for all he has done for you. So Jesus, the metaphor just changed here. Paul says, instead of being crucified, I want you to lay your life on God's altar. Let it just be a living in the holy sacrifice. Say, Lord, every day, Lord, here's my life. I'm just giving it to you. And look what it says. It says this is the way we truly worship him. See, we talk about worshiping God, and I love our worship teams. I do. But quite honestly, if you haven't done Romans 12, 1, if you haven't come beforehand and said, Lord, here I am. This is, I, I, lay my, I lay my life. I give it to you on your holy altar. Do with it as you will. You're not worshiping. You may think you are. But when I do that, and I, I do it every morning, I, you have to do it every day. You may have to do it every hour. Then everything you do is worship to him, whether it's brushing your teeth, whether it's intimacy with your wife, whatever. It's, it, it's all worship to him then. Because you see the Holy Spirit's in you, filling you, and moving you. Now you're glorifying him. You see, the way to live is to die. Lord, I just ask that we would allow your words to speak to us. Just speak to us. Because we just have it all backwards. We think it's the easy life that's the blessed life. It's not. It's the dying life that's the blessed life. 
that has been filled with your power and your presence and the Holy Spirit overflowing. I pray that for each and every person here. And if they don't know it, even now, Holy Spirit, you're speaking to them. And they in faith would reach out as they never have before and lay their life down to you. Have your way now during this last song I ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus said if we truly love him, then we'll obey him, right? And the only way we can do that is by dying and having the Holy Spirit. That's grace, living in and through us and giving us the power to do that. Pray that's true for each one of us. If you have any questions about Jesus, you want to live. You really want to live. You're just sick and tired of being sick and tired. We'll have people up here who would love to pray with you and talk with you about Jesus. Pray again. All the mothers just have a wonderful Mother's Day, and we men treat you right. God bless you. We d- you deserve it. So now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you. May he find an empty heart that he can fill with his life and power. God bless you all. and Take care. Hi, I'm Jeff Eckstein, one of the pastors here at Bethlehem Community Church. Welcome to our Sunday podcast, coming to you from the town of Bethlehem in upstate New York in the USA. Bethlehem Community Church is an independent, non-denominational, Bible-based evangelical church that includes people with backgrounds from many denominations. We believe that it is only through the love of the Father, the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on the cross, and the power of the Holy Spirit that we can come into a personal relationship with God. We are people truly seeking a deeper intimacy with God and with one another. If you'd like to know more about our church, please visit our website at www.bccdelmar.org. There you'll be able to find our statement of faith, as well as more about the ministry of Bethlehem Community Church. You'll also be able to submit prayer requests as we are called to pray with and for you. We also would love to hear your story and how you found our podcast and where you're listening from. So please visit our website and send us an email. Again, it's bccdelmar.org. That's bccdelmar.org. Thank you for joining us as we continue our pursuit of knowing God and making him known.